You're listening to The Author's Leverage, where it's all about your book and how to create a greater impact and a greater income with it. This podcast is for the author who knows there's more you can do with that book. Whether you're publishing your first one ever or you've written multiple bestsellers, the path to greatness begins by looking around and seeing that you are, at this moment, standing right in the middle of your own acre of diamonds. My friends, your book is a brand. I'm Parshel Tashi, creative entrepreneur and education design architect, and I'll be your guide diving into the minds of successful authors, renowned publishers, and industry experts to glean practical wisdom you can integrate into your book writing, launch, and marketing strategies today. You'll hear straight from the source how authors like you were able to publish their best work and build wildly profitable, successful businesses around it. Welcome aboard the Author's Leverage. Hey you, welcome back to another episode of The Author's Leverage. I'm so excited today. We are talking with Paul Attaway. And in particular, I wanted to uh, talk with Paul today about you know writing as a business. Uh, his story and his expertise really goes deep and spans over a number of decades. And I, I really think that this is gonna be an interesting conversation as well as the topic of what it looks like to build your own publishing team. So these are some of the things that we're gonna dive in today. Um, so let me introduce Paul. Paul is an entrepreneur, business coach, and author. He recently retired from a 30-year career as a small business entrepreneur, where he brought creative ideas to success through strategic planning. He now applies his experiences in the business world to his career as a writer. His debut novel is Blood in the Low Country, and it was an instant success. And he currently lives in Charleston, South Carolina. So welcome all the way from South Carolina. <laughs> Paul, thanks for being here. Oh, no, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about your background and, um, and your story. I mean, this spans over, like I said, a number of decades as an entrepreneur. So how, tell us about your, your background and uh, sort of how you've uh, got to this place where you are now as a, as a writer. Sure. Well, uh, you know, born and raised in Atlanta and found my way to uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, the girl I fell in love with in college was from California, and so we ended up picking Phoenix. And I was a lawyer for a whopping two years. That didn't really take, but the, the experience was wonderful. I always say I enjoyed law school. Um, I learned to read and write in law school. And then, but after a brief career doing that, I was really more better suited for the business world where you build things as opposed to, you know, all too often in our legal world, you tear things down. So I worked for a family business for about five years, my father's business, uh, manufacturing, building materials, but I had the itch to go out on my own. So back in the, the mid 1990s, which is a, seems like a long time ago now, um, I had partnered with a very bright man. I, I like to call say he was a certified genius and he had lots of patent ideas. And so we started our first business in the field of seismic isolation for flooring systems and network server racks. And then from there, we moved into uh, vibration control for the semiconductor industry and life sciences and, and uh, did that for a while. Um, and that carried me up through around 2010, uh, 2009, and I was a bit burned out, a lot of travel to Southeast Asia, and I ended up uh, becoming a real estate lender, sold my businesses and, and went to a whole new career. Um, did that for about five years and found myself in 2015 uh, burned out on starting new businesses 
Um, and you, you, you describe me as an entrepreneur, which I'm pretty sure is Latin for no one will hire me. Um, so you, you're, you're constantly looking, you know, to start your own, your own business. Um, but I was burned out on that. So I ended up uh, consulting and I, I was an executive for hire and, and helped a few small businesses raise some capital and put together business plans and chart their way. And I, I enjoyed that, but I couldn't see myself doing it for another 20 years and I was too young to retire. Um, so I got the idea in my head that I could write a book and I started you know, talking about it. And sometimes I'd finish a book and I'd say, that was a fantastic book. Other times I'd finish a book and I'd go, eh, I could do that. And I, my wife, uh, we joke, got sick and tired of hearing me talk about how I could write a book. And she basically said, you know, either, you know, fish or cut bait shut up or, or, or do it or move on so i said fine i'll do it so i sat down to write a book and i published it um september of 2020 and um self-published and that was an amazing experience to figure out how to self-publish and then figure out how to sell a book uh during a pandemic when no one wants to be within six feet of you that was another challenge and then um so yeah so now i i um uh, I, I joke that I wasn't going to call myself an author until I've published at least two books. And I'm about three months away from that. So uh, book number two will be out in May, four months away. So I'm very close to being able to call myself an author with um, the publication of my second book. Wow, that's very interesting. And and so, because most people consider themselves an author after written just one book or even an ebook. So <laughs> tell yeah, me that. Yeah. <laughs> why that distinction for you. Oh, I don't know. I mean, there's no real valid reason. I guess it's self-imposed. Um, you know, a friend of mine jokes the old saying that everybody has one book in them. And after I finished the first book and I sat down to write the second book and I'm thinking, good grief, it's, it didn't get a whole lot easier. It's still really hard to do. And I kept saying, I am not going to be that one book guy. So I just made it a, a point of saying, I don't consider myself an author yet until I have published two books. So, but uh, to all those folks that have published a single book, um, I, you know, I know what it takes. And yes, uh, if you publish one book, you are an author. <laughs> you just have a higher <laughs> standard for yourself, yeah. I suppose. No, that's 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 awesome. And um, and so at this point, is is writing your your main you know activity? Is that yes? What you're doing mainly? Okay. It, it is. It is. So um, yes, I I. I, I you know, I'm, I'm a writer or, you know, I, I moved from being a writer, I mean, being an author to now I'm, I'm a writer. And, you know, writing a book, um, when you're into the book and you've got the ideas for working and you've got the storyline, you kind of know where you're going, then, you know, you, you, know, you can write. And I, I don't know who's, who came up with this. I mean, I think it literally might have been, say, like Ernest Hemingway. And he was like, you know, write every day. And he had a goal for how many words. And somewhere along the way, I picked up, you know, 1,500 words a day was a great goal. Well, that's all well and good. But when you're starting out the process, when you're researching and trying to figure out what your story is, you're not writing. You're, you're, you're scribbling notes. You're typing notes. However it is, you keep your thoughts organized. And, and so you're writing. You're, you're, you're doing the job of a writer, but you're not actually writing yet because you're just really trying to come up with the idea. So um, I don't write every day um, in terms of working on a book. And, and 
and then so but but the other aspect of writing then comes in with the business side um when you come out with a book every you know year year and a half two years whatever it takes you to turn out a book um and if you're self-published your 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 readers they don't hear from you until the next book comes out unless you involve yourself with social media and blogging and newsletters and the like so um, i have started blogging and i have started a newsletter and i'm trying to post several blogs uh, a month and with the newsletter on a monthly basis to point back to the blog um, I have a wonderful team around me that I've been fortunate enough to find and assemble uh, who know their way around social media. Um, and they're able to teach this old guy a few tricks. I joke that when I started this process, I had one friend on Facebook and couldn't spell Instagram. And so, you know, I, I now have an Instagram page. I, I'm, I'm on Facebook all the time. I'm on Instagram and I have people that help me, you know, post and generate content. And so I am, um, I am, so I'm now, I'm, I'm still not writing daily, but um, I'm writing more and more because now you have to turn out, you know, 800, 900 word blogs. And um, I don't like turning out something that is, um, I don't know, I um, I like to do a good job. So I, I don't like to just spit it out there. So I, I don't want it to just be another, like, you know, a list, top 10 so-and-so. So, so I'm trying to be thoughtful and, and creative um, about what I'm writing so that people might actually want to read it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned that there, it almost sounds like there's two types of thinking or maybe multiple types of thinking when it comes to writing. Um, cause in some cases you might just be just sort of creatively outlining where this is going to go versus actually doing the writing. So correct. Right. Um, That's all part of the writing process. Right. How, what are those defined as? How do you define those different modes of, you know, processing creatively? Um, you know, it's it's one of these things I also find that um, I can't turn it on and off. I can't necessarily sit down and say, I'm going to be creative now. Um, it doesn't work that way for me. So what I do, frankly, what I do is I, I read a lot. And if so, for instance, you know, my, my books, uh, the one that I wrote and the one that I'm uh, about to finish, they're set in the 1970s. And, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm reading, you know, what was going on in the 70s. Uh, uh, and, and so I'm, you know, I have a subplot and there's some financial intrigue in the subplot. So, you know, I'm, I, I you know, I, spent some time in the business world to kind of understand how things work. So I'm reading, well, what was, what was, you know, what was the banking world like in the mm -hmm. 1970s and, and things such as that. And so I'm reading and, you know, in a nutshell, you know, there's only so many plot lines that have been written. You've got, you know, you, people fall in love, people fall out of love. Someone kills somebody, someone steals something, someone is a hero, someone is a villain. So, I mean, you've got these big 30,000 foot, ideas and then you what i like to do is work on the characters because i think the characters are 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 very important and if you can get into the head of a character and then you throw something at them something that's completely out of their control to turn their life upside down and then you see how they react 
And the character needs to react. This sounds obvious, but the character needs to react in character. If that character's response to the chaos doesn't make sense, you know, so um, then the reader says, well, this is, this, this makes no sense. So I'll get stuck um, and I'll just try to think to myself, what would this character do? Mm. I may not come up with the answer right then, but then later that day, maybe I've gone to the supermarket or maybe I've gone for a run. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, that'll work. Mm-hmm. And I'll literally, I'll stop, pull over, um, and I'll email myself the idea. I used to think I could remember it. And I, too many times, too many times I got home and I'm like, "Grats, what? That was a great idea." And so idea. now I, I know. So now I email myself. Okay. Um, or, or literally sometimes, um, I just start writing. Yeah. I, I literally just start writing, even if it's like, okay, I'm beginning the paragraph. I don't know where this is going, but John and Susie just had a big fight. And, and, and literally the act of, of whether it's pen and paper or keyboard, the act of writing oftentimes leads me to the, um, you know, the idea, the creativity, right. Wherever it's going to go. Right. That's really inspiring just to, you know, constantly be in a mode of, you know, looking for the inspiration and, um, you know, being able to document as soon as it happens because you you can't forget um and i think a lot of times too you know having a team around you period is just so vital as well and i know that you spoke to that a little bit all right it's time for a short break let's hear a word from one of our sponsors are you an author and ready to leverage your book maybe you have a great idea for a course or program but you need help fleshing it out with someone and making sense of what you have If that's you, I want to invite you to schedule a free half-hour strategy session with me. We'll take a look at your content together, talk about your goals, and I'll provide my professional and honest recommendations. No salesy stuff or surprises. So to schedule a call, visit theauthorsleverage.com forward slash course strategy. All right, now back to the show. When you mentioned, you know, building your own publishing team, for example, what does that look like? Who, you know, who's on your team? Um, how, yeah. How do you guys work together? Um, okay. So that's a, that, that's, um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try to, I'll, I'll get to the answer to that, but I got to back up a little bit. And that is, you know, so um, I, I was finishing my book back in 2020 and then, okay, that's great. Now the next step is, okay, now what do I do? Uh, how do I get published? And so, you know, there's a whole path you can go down to try to land um, a traditional publisher, and and to get a then if you land with a traditional publisher, you you give them the manuscript and they take over. They do the cover design, they edit, they proof, they bring in somebody to help you maybe massage the story, and then they get it. You know, they 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 do it all. They get it uploaded to Amazon and uh, available through bookstores, etc. Exceedingly difficult to land a, um, a publishing contract, especially when someone like myself, late in life, I have no experience. An agent is going to be reluctant to take a chance on me. I get that. So I went down that route. And in the midst of it, um, I decided, well, there's this whole world of self-publishing. Okay. So then, you know, so then you go self-publishing. Well, there's a cottage industry of companies that will help you self-publish. So publishing simply means making it available in a format, be that audible or print, and that print be, you know, paper or digital. And so once you're up on Amazon, 
you're published. No one may have bought it yet, but it's been published. Mm -hmm. So, so publishing then in order to get there, you need the cover design, you need the interior design, you, you need what's called an ISBN number, all these things you never really thought about. And there are companies that will take you A to Z all the way through that. Um, and there's a lot of them out there. And I, I, um, I signed up with one. And sort of the first um, first uh, milestone was the cover design. And so I spoke with a, a, a designer and we spent um, maybe just a few minutes on the phone and I filled out questionnaires and described my book. And a week later, I had a, a, a prototype cover in my inbox and I opened it up and I'm thinking, they must have sent me the wrong cover because this <laughs> doesn't look like my book at all. Mm-hmm. And... I stepped away. I just kind of had a bad experience. I don't know if it was me or what. it was professionally done. It just missed. Mm. So I stepped back and um, um, and I just went back to researching Google online until and I, I found a, a woman who uh, held herself out as a consultant. She had 30 plus years experience in the world of publishing. So I talked with her, really liked her and signed up with her. And she basically, she, she said, well, here are three great cover designers. Here are three great, you know, here's where you can go and get proofread. So I went down the path of finding the experts in every discipline. And so um, I'm working on a book too, and I'm going back to the same cover designer. I'm going, and I found another, uh, he's fantastic. Um, and then there's another woman that I was introduced to, then she'll take the files and upload them to the right format and get them uploaded to Amazon and then get them uploaded to a company called Ingram Spark. And they make it available for print and publication for bookstores and libraries. So it's one of these worlds you enter into, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. So I have my team that helped me got my, get, helped me get my book published. All right, published. Now you have to sell it. Well, this is the hard part um, because Amazon is the world's largest bookstore, but it's also the world's smallest bookstore because you can't walk in and browse. And so much research shows that when people go to search on Amazon, they rarely go past the first or second screen that they put in keywords. So how do you get noticed when there's 10 million books published a year and you um, you can't spend a million dollars on advertising. You you have to recognize it. You know it, it's so it's becomes exceedingly difficult. So I set about it, and I found the PR person, and I found um, uh, an ad company that helped me with the web design for an author site, that helped me with Facebook ads, and helped me with social media. And I went through a coup. Cool, you know, I I didn't I didn't always find the right person right out of the gate. I'm on to my second ad team, but they're fantastic. I'm on to my second PR person and she's fantastic. Um, so I, I have uh, a young woman who, help, I say young, I mean, she's in her early thirties, so young to me, um, helping me with PR, another young woman helping me with social media, and then a company that helps me uh, with my newsletter formatting and getting it out there, my web design, and all my ads and Facebook ads and Amazon ads. So I, I have put together a team and they, they know what they're doing. We have, um, 
we have standing phone calls uh, as a group, uh, and they're, they're all independent. We, we, as a group, we talk once a month, but with each one of them, I probably talk to them, you know, every week or two, sometimes okay. for 10 minutes, sometimes for half an hour. Got it. Wow. That's, that's incredible. So you just sort of, sort of build yeah. up this uh, dream team of, of folks around you to support this, which I think is so important because like you said, it, after you have the book written, you know, and you have your team for that. Now, when you're talking right. about keeping that conversation going and having it to be active uh, online and in that marketplace, you know, everything that you just mentioned is is absolutely key. Now, yeah, yeah, uh, and one of the things that you know we alluded to a little bit before um, we started recording here um, was of the concept of you know taking a nonfiction book and repurposing it as something else. And, um, you know, in our business, what we do with the author's leverage is we take those books and, you know, we turn it into the format of an online course. And, uh, and it's, you know, it's a lot of different benefits to that. Of course, they're able to um, sell more for the same information or in a different format, uh, and, you know, because people are <clears throat> essentially taking action as they're going through this content. But when it comes to a nonfiction uh, piece of work, it's a little bit of a different approach. And so um, I know that we talked a little bit about it, but, you know, what are some other... Um, you know, avenues or paths that you see, you know, as a result of a nonfiction work in terms of, you know, repurposing it or, or having it right. in another format. Could it, could, could your work, let's say, be in the form of an online course or something that, yes. would, um, yeah. And, and how would that look? Right. So um, I'll, I'll get, I'll get to a direct answer of your question in a moment and I'm going to lead into it. And that is the question of, you know, um, uh, it comes back to selling and marketing a book as an as a, as a self-published author, mm -hmm. um, um, you need other revenue streams, and so um, and this is a bit awkward for uh, for me. And that is basically you have to brand and promote yourself. Yeah. Um, in my previous businesses, I had promoted a product. You know, there was a widget or a service. Well, I'm the widget. I'm the service. So you end up having to promote yourself. Well, I live in Charleston. Uh, there's more history in this town than I think any other town in, in, in the country. Uh, Boston, you know, uh, no offense, please. But, and I love history. So um, I'm holding, you know, so I'm, I, I'm a speaker for hire. I can talk about the craft of writing. I can talk about my book. I can talk about the history of Charleston going back to 1670. Um, and my books are based here in Charleston. They're based in the in the low country area, as we call it. So, um, and there's always, so, and I'm working with another gentleman who provides history tours so I can help organize a tour. You know, you come to Charleston, you get a walking tour of the city. So that's that's an avenue. That's a, a, um, an avenue. And it's all about building up the brand and getting more followers so that when I come out with the next book, instead of having one follower, you know, hopefully you'll have thousands. So you do these other things to promote the brand, to get more followers. And then when you come out with a new book, hopefully you've got you know, instant purchases. So that's thing one. Thing two is, you know, my book, yes, it's fiction. Um, but I focused, as I mentioned before, I like character development. And so for me, the character arc is critically important, you know, how the character changes. Well, one of the things that's very important to me, um, you know, you, um, you know, just shut me off when you wish. Um, you know, I'm not a religious person, but I believe that Jesus is who he says 
who he says he is. I'm not a real fan of organized religion, but mm -hmm. I, you know, I love Jesus. So there is, a, there are some Christian themes that run through my book. Um, now there's also some uh, sex, rape, murder, uh, good time rock and roll. So, I mean, it's not a book that's going to, uh, you know, beat you over the head mm -hmm. uh, with it, but the themes run through the story. So on one hand, um, I like to think it's a good book for a book club. There's stuff to talk about, you know, when, when Monty is faced with this end of life scenario, where does he trust? Where does his trust fall? Um, and there's a, there's a lot of other messages. That being said, one of the things I have thought about is to take the subject matter and, and weave it into a Bible study format. Hmm. Um, because, you know, Bible studies can be wonderful. Um, they can be a bit dry. Um, and, you know, here was the, the, the idea being to take the concepts, um, the themes that run through the book and weave them with, you know, a scriptural background. And so to, to work it into a, um, a Bible study uh, is a possibility. It's one That's of the cool. other many projects on the table, so to speak. Okay. Okay. Yeah, certainly keep me posted on that because that's, you know, it, how how fiction work can be um, integrated is very interesting. And the key thing that I think that you just said is the character arc and understanding right. the character. And because, um, you know, to me, when it comes to anything educational or uh, on the on the backside of something like that, it's like the end result is to get whoever is watching this or reading this or consuming this course to take action for something in their take life action. to change right. or something in their life to get better. And so I, I right. really love that particular ap application and that idea that you have. I think it's really strong. And your new book, which is your second book, is going to be out Correct. in May. Um, and that in actually May, might yes. coincide with the release of this episode, I believe. Um, okay, great. But, uh, but yeah, share a little bit about that. And, um, and, and uh, well, it's, yeah, it's, um, uh, it, it's a sequel and it, it will be called, um, Eli's Redemption. Eli is a character in the first book, and it will be available uh, you know, on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, their digital version. And there, right now, there's about um, seven bookstores in the, um, in the primarily in the southern part of the country that carry the book. And I'm on a mission to get more bookstores um, exposed to the book in the hopes that they'll pick it up. You know, we're, we're you know we're coming out of the, the you know the, the pandemic whatever you want to call it, uh, the COVID mess, um, which is wonderful. Um, I'll be uh, attending a book fair in North in Boone, North Carolina in May uh, as one of the guest authors. And there's going to be a, a certain number of bookstore representatives. So, so the, hopefully there will be more bookstores. Um, getting your book into a bookstore is the Achilles heel of self-publishing. It, it's mm. really difficult because you have to go door to door. Mm. Um, if you're with a publisher, the publisher has a sales There's team that, that yeah. calls on, the, does that for you. Um, so, but the book is, um, it is a sequel, um, which presented unique challenges because it's, as opposed to a story that has recurring characters, Recurring characters, you know the character, maybe your favorite crime detective or whatever, um, and it's a new story each time, but it's the same same character. This literally is a sequel where there's a lot of unanswered questions in book one that are going to, in, in Blood in the Low Country, that are going to get answered. But I wanted to write it such that if you read it first, if you, if you read book two first, you would 
you know, you didn't have to read the first book in order to enjoy the second book. Okay. And if you read the second book first, you could go back and read the first book and still enjoy it. So it is a series, but um, uh, so it was a challenge to reveal information to the readers in such a way that it wasn't totally repetitive of book one, mm -hmm. but it wouldn't totally ruin the surprises in book one either. Um, we'll mm -hmm. see how we did, but. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite, um, I guess, sequels or, you know, so to speak, to where you can watch the second and not have to have watched the first or whatever um, is right. Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Yeah. Those yeah. Are just yeah. So, so beautifully done in that regard. I yeah, mean, they are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's some great writing. Those are yes. those are really, really intense, intense shows. Yes. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Um, well, well, Paul, this has been such a great conversation. I want to let those who are listening know where they can find you and connect with you more and especially to be in tune with your new book when it comes out, if, if someone's interested. in Sure. That. So would you uh, share that information? And yeah, the, the easiest way would be, you know, um, PaulAttaway.com. Paul, okay. and then my last name is A-T-T-A-W-A-Y. So you go to PaulAttaway.com. You can sign up for the newsletter. You'll get links to my Instagram. Uh, you get links right back to, you know, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, you know, wherever you prefer to buy books. And, and um, or, or you can go right to Amazon or Barnes & Noble and search my name and it'll pop up. But, um, yeah, pauladaway.com is the best way. Awesome. And as we wrap up, I ask all of our guests this question, uh, which is when you hear the phrase or the term author's leverage, what does that what does that mean for you? What comes up for you? Well, that was that's a good question, um, and I do like the name. Um, uh, it's possessive. The author's leverage. What is it that the author has to leverage? Um, and for me, um, I think what it is that I have to leverage is um, um, I think I'm a pretty good storyteller. And, you know, there are people that are beautiful wordsmiths and, you know, in the words of uh, Clint Eastwood in his role as Harry Callahan, a man has to know his limitations. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm never going to be able to write prose like some authors where you read it and you go, wow, that's, you know, I can taste the salt air. You know, they're just so good. So I can't do that. Uh, I try to get better at it, but, you know, I know where my strengths are. But I think... Um, Crafting a good page-turning story is my leverage. I think that's what people responded to most about the first book is they, they couldn't wait to find out what happened. So that's how I understood it. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, Paul, I really appreciate you being here and sharing some uh, of, of your time with, with us and the listeners. And, um, and actually, before we go, I'll just have you share you know any last parting words of advice and then... And then we'll sign off. Um, yeah, um, don't be afraid. Um, it's you know, the 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 worst things we think might happen when we want to step out and do something new uh, rarely materialize. So, we're stepping out and becoming an author was a risk because people I know and have known for years were going to read my book and they might have gone, "God, Paul, you're really awful at this," and that was a risk I took. So, <laughs> so. Don't be afraid. Enjoy life. Take risk. In fact, do right. not be afraid or something of the like, I think, is uh, written or referenced 360 times in the Bible. <laughs> so. 
it is it is the most mentioned um, uh, commandment or, or um, suggestion. You're yes. correct uh, of, of any other. Do not be afraid. Yes, hundred percent. Yep. So well said. Thank you, Paul, for your time and sharing yep. this with us today. And for those that are listening, thanks for being here. Uh, check out and connect with Paul. And when you can, the links to his website are going to be in the show notes, and you'll be able to connect with him from uh, further from there. So. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Author's Leverage. You can subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcast. Hey, do me a favor. If you found this helpful, leave us a review and share this episode with someone it could help along their journey. To check out more resources, visit theauthorsleverage.com. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time.